Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. What a difference a year can make. On today's show, you get to listen and compare. First, you will hear from the new county warden, Brian Ostrander. He was elected only a few weeks ago. The focus of our conversation is a new three-year budget passed by County Council two weeks ago. You will hear how this approach works and the aspirations of politicians for the upcoming year. There is a 6.5% increase this year and more than 8% the next year. The final year is nearly 9%. The warden will justify these hikes over the three years. I'm so pleased to have with me today the new warden and the mayor of Brighton, Brian Ostrander. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. It's always a pleasure, Robert. Thanks for having me. I'd like to begin by congratulating you on your election as warden. Why is now a good time for you to take on the job of warden? Uh, you know, there's there's never a convenient time to take on a busy role, but, uh, you know, this is my entering my sixth year as uh, mayor of the municipality of Brighton and as a county councillor. Um, this was not a role I wanted to tackle in the first term. Uh, I had lots going on uh, locally. I wanted to play a, a good support role for county council in the last term. Um, but I, I felt that now was the time to take on a leadership role at the county. There's a lot involved, both in being a mayor and being a warden. How do you see the difference between the role of mayor and the role of warden? Um, there's there's very little difference. It's it's very much the same role at different levels of government. Uh, you know, it's 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 just a, a different title. You turn you turn the M upside down and you go. <laughs> you delivered an acceptance speech when you were elected. In it, you suggested there needs to be a new funding model with the provincial and federal governments. Can you outline what those changes are? Uh, Brighter Minds and I would be able to come up with uh, what that funding model would need to look like. All all I truly know is that uh, the municipal level of government, be it the the lower tier, the local level, or the, the county level, depend heavily on property taxes, which is uh, the most regressive taxation system we have in Canada. And and it's a system that predates confederation. It's a system that never imagined uh, the local level of government would be tackling the things that we're tackling today. Um, You know, from a a linear project perspective, roads, bridges, et cetera, it it works fine. But from a social services perspective, uh, even from, you know, little old Brighton, from a parks and recreation perspective, uh, it, it just doesn't work the way it was intended to work. And, you know, this is no criticism of the sitting government. It is it is a systemic issue that needs to be tackled. 
uh, frankly, from from Vancouver to St. John's. Uh, it's one that needs to be tackled across the country. Um, and and really, as as I noted in my acceptance speech, if if I dream in technicolor, uh, it would be ideal for the municipal level of government to have a, a a place in the constitution, an actual place at the seat of of confederation, where we can have these mature conversations and and not be constantly worried about you know what what shift in policy the government of Ontario will make and that will affect um, boundary lines for municipalities or changes to upper and lower tiers etc but that's that's a conversation for another day uh, we we are depending on our friends at the Association of Municipalities of Ontario AMO to to help advocate for uh, funding model changes and, you know, the, the current progressive conservative government has been very good uh, about making sure monies flow to the municipal level. There, there's no doubt about that. But there's no guarantee. There's no source of revenue that our level of government can look at that waxes and wanes as the economy does. Uh, we're stuck with this property tax system. You said about your dream in technicolor and a constitutional change. And of course, that I can see being very, very long term. But I have to admit, you're not the first municipal politician who's pointed out the the faults and the shortcomings of the municipal property tax system. Where do you see any opportunities or potential for movement on such an important issue? Because as as you're facing right now, We'll talk in a moment about the budget for the county, but your own municipal budget. You're dealing with realities right this moment. So where where's the crack in the armor? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I, I, I'm not sure there is until there is that constitutional change. I, I you know, and, and I don't think that's on anybody's at the federal level. I don't think that's on anybody's radar. And, you know, I think the whole idea of opening up uh, the Constitution is it just isn't going to happen. It, that's a simple reality. It's 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 a scary thought uh, for everyone across the country. So um, we we just need a better deal, uh, and and we're going to depend on our on our associations, uh, in particular AMO, uh, to help make that deal. Uh, I don't think it's a tomorrow. I I, I think everybody's wrestling with dollars and cents. Uh, certainly, our, our our provincial friends are, and so this is not a this is not a tomorrow fix. We're going to have to live with the system we have today, but we need to keep talking about it or or it will never happen. But is it such a big stretch to say, look, we just want a guaranteed flow of money in certain areas, a, a base amount, just like the federal government gives the provincial governments a transfer payment to hospitals, medical, whatever. I mean, is is that is that pie in the sky? It's not, and, and it already happens. You know, we already get the Ontario Municipal whatever it's called, the OMPF uh, funding, we get OSIF funding, which is for infrastructure. So we already get that piece of the pie. But it's, it's you know, either it's a it's a calculation that is difficult for a layperson like me to to sit down and say, I wonder what our number is going to be this year. And you you try to do the calculation. Uh, you know, it's 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 not possible to do. You you wait to see what the money is going to look like. Same with OSIF. Um so you know we we do need a consistent and 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 measurable and predictable source of funding that is either you know a percentage of of sales tax or a certain percentage of income tax or or as i say something that waxes and wanes uh with the economy but also one that recognizes that you know a, a city like toronto 
uh, with its you know three million ish people uh, is going to get a, a, the bulwark of those monies and a smaller uh, a smaller um, population base like Northumberland County uh, with a with a larger physical geography uh, may be left with shortcomings. So there's there's going to have to also be that how do we figure out the geographical versus the the population base. So it's it's not an easy solution. I know that. You know, I I don't I don't throw this out uh, thinking there's an easy solution. There's not. I know that Northumberland County and also you as a municipal leader meet regularly with provincial leaders and ministers. Is this something now as warden that you're going to be taking to the table each opportunity you get to push this agenda a little bit forward? Certainly going to have those conversations as often as I can, uh, understanding that. Uh, what what the provincial what our provincial friends need to do, uh, and what our friends at AMO need to do is is find out what that solution looks like because I I don't know what it is today, I just know that the current system doesn't work for the level of services we're providing at the moment. One of the things that's at the heart of this is downloading of services and responsibilities, and it's been taking place for a long time, at least thirty years. And it's nothing new for municipalities, but how are things different now in the context of downloading? What are the pressures that you're feeling at the county level that you want to see ad addressed in terms of downloading? Well, that's that's a pretty big list, Robert. At the end of the day, you know we're we're dealing with community and social services, um, ODSP, and and um, other other work based uh, in, in income subsidy issues. We're at the local level, like I said, parks and recreation that wasn't downloaded, but it's it's a cost, uh, it's a, it's a growth based cost uh, to our municipality that that is impacting us in in a huge way. You know, housing and housing initiatives and 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 uh, uh, affordable housing, truly affordable housing opportunities, uh, homelessness concerns, infrastructure from a downloading point of view. All of these all these what were as you say thirty years ago what were um, um, provincial highways are now county roads, almost entirely, well, ent with the exception of the 401, entirely across Northumberland County, that's the case. Uh, so, you know, the, these are just massive impacts that, um, as I as I say, the property tax system was never meant to absorb. And and yes, you know, you know to be fair, it, it, the province has provided funding for all of those things, but in so many cases, and and you know, ambulances is a is a good example. So there's another one. Uh, ambulance is a good example where you know we we pay fifty percent of whatever for the first year, and we don't get recouped for the other fifty percent until the following year. So where does that that second fifty percent come from? Well, it comes from the property tax basic because you know you don't you don't get half a person to show up. You don't get half an ambulance. You know, you, you got to have the whole thing, and and that's that, and and that's how the system's designed to work, but it's, but it's it's not appropriate. It's not equitable. I'd like to talk now about the budget and also the strategic plan because those two things kind of fit together. There is a new strategic plan for the county. What is the role of that new st strategic plan? Well, like any strategic plan, it's 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 to provide us with the guideposts and 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 goalposts for the coming um, three, four. What is it? It's I think it's four year uh, strategic plan. So for the four years, uh, and it and it's goalposts for council. It's goalposts for senior staff, uh, and it is all those things we want to see 
as as um, we we roll out those next four years. Now, strategic plans can often sound very high-minded and a bit vague to the ordinary person. Can you give us one or two examples of how this plan is going to directly impact someone living in Northumberland in a way that they will notice? Uh, sure. I mean, there's there's a number of uh, there's a number of things I can touch on, and and I'm happy to do that. So, you know, for example, the uh, investing in infrastructure piece, where you know we're we're going to build a new bridge across the Trent River in Campbellford to relieve congestion, to help with traffic flow, and and you know this has been something that's been in the works since before I joined council in 2003. I mean, municipal council in 2003. So, you know, this this is a a long time project that uh, is is finally coming to fruition. Uh, in in Brighton, we're going to see the full reconstruction of Prince Edward Street in uh, County Road 64 in partnership with the municipality because all of our underground infrastructure runs under that road. So it's it's a it's a good partnership. Uh, it's it's going to reconstruct the road. It's going to beautify uh, portions of our community and uh, and help all of that uh, and help Brighton uh, move forward. We're going to continue to invest in in properties and grow our affordable housing so that people on our waiting list can can be housed and can get a roof over their head. Um, these are important initiatives for us, uh, and and we'll see actual um, actual effects for those people on the ground. Why did the county pass a three year budget? Um, well, I think it makes sense to. Uh, sort of look out those three years and and see where the numbers need to be. At the end of the day, we will revisit each year. Uh, at the end of this year, we'll revisit uh, for 2025. So nothing is set in stone. Um, we're going to see what's working and what's not, and and you know make those changes as as it needs to be. But from an investment perspective, to get a concept of what we need to be looking for funding for. Uh, what we need to be, uh, what we need to be tackling from an efficiencies perspective, it's helpful to know what what the next three years are going to look like from a fiscal management point of view. I've watched a lot of budgets, and usually there are several columns after the current year that kind of map out what's the difference between those kinds of projections and what you've passed as a county. Is there really a difference? Yeah, and I would say there is a distinct difference. Um, in the past, what we've seen are sort of, here's where we estimate we might end up uh, in the next two, three, four years after this budget. Uh, in this case, we have an actual budget. So we have actual budget line items, actual staffing line items, just as we would for the current year. Uh, as I say, we have to revisit those. We're required to, as, and it would be good and right to. Uh, revisit that for the next year uh, based on on trends and based on what happened in the previous year. But we are set if if you know if if we're ready to go, we could simply say carry on. Um, I suspect there will be some tweaking. It just you know politicians hate to leave things alone. so uh, I suspect there will be some tweaking for 2025, but um, we're ready to go and, and it will be a much easier process for for both staff and for council. But how can you possibly predict what things are going to be like, say, three years from now? Yeah, I, I would I would say that 80 percent of what we do is entirely predictable. We have an asset management plan that tells us exactly where our buildings and roads and and all of that uh, super infrastructure is uh, that we need to take care of. 
So very easy from a from an asset management planning perspective to say, you know, we know what we need to uh, invest in to keep things running, to keep buildings working um, for the next, well, really for the next 20 years. Uh, so, uh, you know, to say the next three years is is really a no brainer from a from an asset management perspective. But there is a, you know, there's always that 20% of things that, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, my crystal ball has been broken a long time. I don't know what's going to happen uh, come the end of this year. And, and, and yes, we, th- there will no doubt need to be adjustments. But isn't there a danger when you start to lock things in that somebody could argue, you know, oh, it's great that this has come up, but we said we were going to do this. We said we were only going to do this size increase. We said this and and you become locked in and it becomes hard to be flexible or to move with whatever changes take place. How do you overcome that possibility? Yeah, I, I guess that's always a danger, but um, I mean, that, that could be a danger no matter what. Um, people can come in uh, to a, a, a one-year budget process with a preconceived notion that, you know, come you know what or high water, they're going to be holding, uh, you know, a, an X, X percentage point on the tax base. Uh, we've certainly seen lots of politicians do that. Um, I, I guess they think that's the popular thing to do. Uh, I, I, I think and I hope that the popular thing to do is, is to properly serve our residents and uh, there isn't anyone that I talk to across Northumberland County or in Brighton, uh, certainly, that doesn't understand that that these services we provide to the people are costly services, and they know that. And there's a reason that government provides them. It's because the pi- private sector just can't uh, do so in a in a in a way that's profitable. So we have to. Um, so yeah, there's always that danger. Uh, but you know, I I look around the table at my my six fellow mayors across Northumberland County, and I see a group of adaptable people who are who are ready to work on behalf of the good people of Northumberland. And to do that, we need to be flexible and, and ready to pivot uh, when it, when the time comes. We were talking earlier in our conversation about the provincial government. And as we've seen, the provincial government flip-flops on policy decisions and walk back on others. And we've watched them take away major revenue sources from municipalities. I'm thinking of development charges right now. The list gets pretty long. How do you know the figures will cover what is needed in that kind of context? Uh, well, I guess we don't. And and what we know is what we know. Uh, what we know today is what's happening today. And we can make uh, decisions uh, based on predicting that that's, uh, you know, we haven't heard that things are going to change. So we can predict that they will when they change, we need to be flexible enough to change. And certainly we that's certainly the case with regard to um, development charges and other other issues under current the current planning regime provincially. Um, local municipalities are having to make those uh, changes. Um, we don't have to like them. We just have to make them. <laughs> what about inflation and other economic and political factors outside of Ontario and Canada? We've we've watched this happen. Uh, in the last two years with the war in Ukraine, the, the conflict in the Middle East, the economic pressures that have been uh, taking place since the pandemic. How how do you take those into account with this kind of three-year budgeting process? Well, and, and I think that's really where the three-year budgeting process becomes uh, becomes an advantage. Um, we, we know that, you know, with in the past couple of years with six, seven percent inflation, and we're coming down, we know that uh, it's it's hovering around the three, four percent range these days. The real issue for for a municipality is that while, you know, the cost of 
chicken and bread is going up by three, four, five percent, the cost of you know asphalt and, and guide rails is going up by 13, 14, 15 percent. So the real question, not to not to reword your question, I hate to do that, but the real question is how do we manage to uh, you know raise taxes by four or five percent and still keep up with uh, infrastructure projects that are now 15 percent more um and the reality is that's always a balancing act that governments have to do because we are in the construction price index world but the people who pay us are in the you know, consumer price index world so you know we we have to balance that and and then i then i circle right back to our original question what do we need we need a better funding model Thanks for asking me my next question. It saves me a bit of time. Um, the final increases are 6.57% for 2024, 8.64% for 2025, and 8.86% for 2026. Those seem pretty high, but what factors are you feeling uh, influenced those numbers to make them at the levels that they are at. Yeah, so, I mean, what's important, I think, to note here is that 2% on each of those years is are going to two um, very specific dedicated infrastructure, or dedicated levies, pardon me. Uh, 1% goes to a dedicated infrastructure levy, another 1% goes to a dedicated housing levy. And I don't know anybody in Northumberland that doesn't think that infrastructure uh, which we remain behind on isn't important to fund uh, or uh, today that housing uh, isn't important to fund. We, we know there's a huge waiting list for uh, affordable housing or, or uh, subsidized housing in, in Northumberland County. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I, I shouldn't say I don't know anybody. There are very few people in Northumberland who wouldn't say, let's house the people we can house. So, you know, adding 1% when we're in the midst of a housing crisis, where working people are having trouble putting a roof over their head, you know, how, how can we also not be compassionate and make sure we're adding, you know, a percentage point or so to reserves to ensure that we can house people moving forward. So really, yes, the, the increase, the real impact to the taxpayer, six and a half percent, but from an operational perspective on, you know, how do we keep the reels on the bus? It's four and a half percent next year. You know, it's, it's six and a half percent the next year. It's almost, you know, it's, and I get that those are big numbers, and they are. But if you, you know, we we also we also took a deep dive in the middle of the pandemic and came up with a zero percent budget. When we do that, there's always a catch up, and so here we are, you know. Uh, but we we can't get away with zero percent. We learned that, pre you know, in the last the end of the last millennium, we've learned that when governments all over the place were trying to stick to you know one percent or zero percent or. You know, and it seemed popular at the time, but when roads start to crumble, it's not a good move. I appreciate, uh, with all due respect, uh, your arguments, and and they make sense to a lot of people. But I'm sure that there are other people that are listening that are going like, bottom line is, man, I got to come up with this extra ninety two dollars for the average taxpayer for the county portion, and then I got to come up with you know my portion for the local municipality like Brighton or Port Hope or whatever. So I guess the thing is, is people sometimes say, well, what about service reductions? Or was there anywhere that you could have cut 
Yeah, and and those are you know those are really fair comments, and certainly I I'm I'm a huge believer in driving efficiencies and making sure that we're we're sharing services as much as possible across borders and and between levels of government. So uh, I don't I don't take that off the table. But when you look at the responsibilities that Northumberland County has, the vast majority of what we do we're required to do either under legislation or regulation. We don't get a choice uh, on on how quickly we respond uh, to an emergency by ambulance. Uh, we're 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 regulated to do that. We don't get a choice uh, about you know who gets uh, to be on ODSP or who gets you know to be on other social services. We're required to provide that. Um, there are minimum maintenance standards, so we're required to provide uh, plowing and 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 road maintenance at a certain level. Um, so when you look at all of those things, and so then when you take the so the few things that are um, possibilities to remove, uh, things like funding to the hospital, well, yeah, I guess we could, I guess we could remove funding from the hospital. It's it's about a quarter million dollars a year. It goes to both uh, Campbellford and and Northumberland Hills. But is that the right thing to do uh, in a world uh, where hospitals need funding too? Um, and, you know, we need to help them drive those efficiencies for the citizens across Northumberland. Um, we, we, so, um, you want to break in? No, no, go ahead. So, so um, the, the other, the other sort of soft service uh, that we fund from the county is court service, court um, security. The, the courts are here in Coburg. Uh, under the Act, under the Police Services Act, that means the Coburg Police are required to provide court security. Uh, but, but it's a Northumberland County issue. So, you know, is it right for all of us to help support Coburg Police in in that endeavor? Well, I think it is. I think it it's it's appropriate for everyone to to pitch in. Um, if you know, if we were sitting in another jurisdiction that jurisdiction would be covered by their regional police service or by their, you know, their local police service if you're in Toronto. But we have three police services in Northumberland County and and the courthouse is here in Coburg. So, you know, a, a small local police service is asked to provide court security. It makes sense that we would we would chip in. And so there's another quarter million dollars. More and more. Speaking of all these little things that add up, you recently made a decision at County Council to purchase uh, the former retirement residence in Coburg for $2.3 million as a new home for Transition House. Why is that a good move at this time? Well, listen, these decisions are never taken lately. And, and you know, we don't, um, we don't rush out to uh, buy every uh, piece of real estate on the market uh, just to say we did. Um, 310 Division Street, a former retirement residence, uh, makes a lot of a lot of sense uh, from a you know from a from a investment perspective. It's it's a it's a good building. It's you know with with very little uh, work to be done, it's ready to go. Uh, it will replace the existing transition house, um, which is a you know I, I I without without saying anything uh, about the good folks who are running transition house it's 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 tired it's an old uh it's an old home um i don't you know it was never built to accommodate uh, uh shelter space it was always meant as an old home whereas this is a, re a building where each each person will have their own room and their own bed 
Uh, there will be common elements. There will be space to provide services uh, to those in need. Uh, you know, th this just makes sense. And so uh, we have purchased it with the intent of uh, holding the mortgage uh, for the transition house board uh, who will buy it back over time. One of the last minute items that got approved for the budget was a six month pilot addiction treatment program for nearly a quarter of a million dollars, just at the last minute. Why was that a good thing to do in your mind? So I always I always prefer to have lots and lots of information and dialogue before we make these decisions. But uh, at the end of the day, we know that there are there are addiction concerns in the community. Uh, uh, we know that uh, in particular, after the purchase of 310 Division, uh, those um, those concerns were brought forward by a lot of local residents and, and their concern around um, some of the folks who, who may be accessing these services uh, with those addiction concerns. So um, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have a shelter space of this nature without also having uh, treatment availability. So um, we want to we see if this pilot will work. And, and rather than doing sort of Band-Aid solutions that will keep get people off the street for a night or two, uh, maybe we can actually help people um, with, with their underlying issues, with the reason maybe that they're on the street. And, and, you know, that's, that's part of the role of government. You know, I, 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 I know that sometimes I'm seeing a bit of a, a hard case uh, when it comes to these things, but I think part of the role of government is to lift people up. And, and if, and if we're not doing that, then we're not doing our job. What do you say to people on a fixed income or seniors who are struggling in the light of all that we've talked about so far? Um, well, by, by and large, um, the, many of these folks are renters uh, that you're talking about. So the, the tax the in tax increase will affect them over time uh, with their rent. Now, certainly there are some seniors who are still living in their homes and, and they're on a fixed income and they have to, uh, they have, they're going to have to uh, pay the additional taxes just like everybody else. Um, and, and, and what I say to them is, I, I know things are, I know things are hard. I know things are difficult. I know prices are going up, but they're going up for us too. Uh, and you know, if if we're to deliver at the same services at the same levels we are, um, you know, be it social services or paramedical services or community paramedicine, which of course is is uh, funded by the province, but or or at the local level in Brighton, if we're to continue to clear sidewalks, uh, you know. Um, which we're not required to do under the province. We could pass a bylaw saying everybody needs to get their shovel out and clear their own uh, sidewalk, but we don't want to do that. We know that there are plenty of seniors in the community that would then have to hire someone to do that. So we take on that role. And by doing that, yes, it means uh, that the senior doesn't have to hire someone to shovel the sidewalk, but it does mean that somebody has to pay for that. Going into the new year, what are you hoping to achieve over the next 12 months that residents should be watching for as warden? Um, well, you know, from a from sort of soft services perspective, I'm going to continue to drive that uh, shared services uh, policy and perspective. Um, I really think there's tons of opportunity at the county and at the local level 
to dig deep and 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 unsilo and say, you know, we we really should be delivering this service across boundaries or across uh, tiers. I don't have any specifics at the moment. I I really am looking forward to staff providing me with those opportunities and those possibilities. There's some that won't work. I get that, but there are lots uh, lots of um, lots of things that happen that we don't really see a lot uh, that that I think we can share. So that's um, that's a real uh, real bee in my bonnet, if you will. <laughs> Uh, but in 2024, um, you know, we're going to see the beginning of that construction project um, uh, in Brighton. So we're going to see uh, uh, County Road 64 happen. Uh, we're going to see the beginnings of that bridge in Campbellford. We're going to see the Golden Plow Lodge and uh, North Urmeland Archives, uh, County Archives and Museum continue to progress over time. Uh, and, and with, you know, with a hopeful opening in, in 2025. That's what I'm crossing my fingers over. Um We've already seen the expansion of childcare in in across the county, so we're going to see more of that, uh, more housing projects as we continue to redevelop the old Elgin Street. We're going to see, uh, by anticipation, we'll see the second phase of that uh, well underway, if not uh, ready to open. Um, so you know, just loads of things on the go. It's 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 incredible when you look around to see all of the things that uh, a relatively small government. Uh, is able to do. Brian Orstrander, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's always a pleasure, Robert. I appreciate the time. That was Mayor of Brighton and New County Warden Brian Ostrander. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.